right. Well, as has already been said, today is Pentecost, the day we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not always sure what like the appropriate greeting is to give for this particular holy day. Like, is it Happy Pentecost? Is it Merry Pentecost? Is it the Spirit has fallen and you say, He has fallen indeed, right? Or we celebrate the coming of the Spirit. Now, earlier in the service, that passage from Acts was read, uh, recounting that moment in time where the Spirit fell. How with this rush of violent wind, there's tongues of fire popping up on people's head, and everyone started speaking in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to do so. It was one of those very dramatic God moments, right? Well, this week, if you have been paying any attention at all, has been finally like an ultimate spring week. Like it's sunny, it's getting kind of hot outside. And I don't know, but this is my office back here. It's like a windowless cave and I love it, but help, right? And so I was like, this week is so nice. I went and I worked at the library at their little outside tables. And, and then I went to my, my back deck and I sent pictures to Lisa. I'm like, see, I'm studying, I promise. On my back deck where it was nice and it was beautiful. And um, Wednesday is when I do the heavy lifting for my sermon. So like, don't bother me on Wednesdays if you can help it, right? But I'm doing my sermon outline and I'm working and, and um, I'm outside and it's so beautiful. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there is this rush of violent wind that whooshed through. Was any of you outside on Wednesday when this happened? It was so weird, right? I felt like I was back in Kansas again. And I needed to whip out like my ruby red slippers. It was very strange. This like sudden storm-like wind just popping out out of nowhere. And it's very clear that we've been out of the Midwest for a long time because later that night, it was like gently sprinkling, okay? And Josephine comes up to me like a grizzled old rancher and she goes, sure is coming down out there. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it is not. It is barely drizzling, but okay. Idaho, Idaho Joe. So as I scrambled after my sermon notes and I was shutting all my commentaries that were flapping wildly in the wind on the outside table, I smiled to myself because how appropriate a rude awakening by the wind whilst working on a sermon about the Holy Spirit. Because the wind like that is so strange. You don't really see it coming. You, you feel it coming, right? The air kind of changes and the leaves on the trees flip upside down and they show their bellies as we have lots of beautiful old trees around us. The, the remnants of spring seeds and petals start falling and then you feel it, right? That whoosh, the rush of the wind and the trees bow before it and the, the windows rattle and the birds are stilled as creation itself responds to the rush. Well, Billy Graham, that famous preacher that changed so much of the United States and around the world, he said one time, he says, can you see God? Have you seen him? I've, I've never seen the wind. I've seen the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. There is a mystery to it. And so it is with the Spirit, a mystery, the presence of God come down, but this time not in the flesh of a newborn baby put in a manger, but rather God come down in the Spirit, a wind that settles upon God's people and stays. A dramatic entrance for sure, but now the Spirit remains quietly, subtly, unseen, dwelling in and among us. Well, we've been going through what is called the farewell discourse in the Gospel of John, chapters 14 through 17. 
And Jesus has been preparing his disciples and us for this dramatic change from God with us in the flesh with Jesus to God with us in the invisible but ever-present spirit. It's this drastic, unsettling, in many ways, frightening change, right? Now, there are two kinds of people in this world. There are people who hate change, and then there are liars, all right? Now, maybe a few of you weirdos out there think change is great, and I'm happy for you, but don't talk to me, okay? Because I am in full-blown grieving mode this PCS season. Don't look at me, Jack Pyle. Uh, So let me hate my change in peace, okay? Because change is hard. Change brings a lot of questions with it, like where am I going to live? And am I going to make, make new friends? And are my old friendships just going to wither on the vine? And will the grocery store have a completely illogical setup and triple my shopping time? Now, that is a serious concern, okay? You know, the basics are frightening. The unknown can be scary. And it's no different in Pentecost because Jesus has promised to send the Spirit who would guide them, but nobody knew what he meant. Everybody, they just nodded their head along. Yeah, you're sending the Spirit. Awesome. Hoping the guy next to him knew what he was talking about, right? That even in Acts 2, when that wind comes, they had no possible way to understand how this new manifestation of God with us would change everything. Now, there are many ways that we can approach Pentecost this morning, this day of remembrance and celebration. You know, we could dive deeply into the event, into that moment in time. And we can look at the Old Testament, we can look at the Gospels, and we can see all the ways in which God has been preparing for this moment to unleash the Spirit into the world, to, to break down the dividing walls of ethnicity and gender and language and socioeconomic status and create for God's self a people set apart to do kingdom work started by Jesus. We could talk about that. It's like the party of the past approach, right? Where uh, we look back and we remember and say, yay, God did that thing. And that's important. It's the same reason why every December we celebrate the birth of Christ, because it's important that we remember what God has done. But here's the thing. We don't live facing backward. What good does it do to celebrate what God has done in the past if it doesn't inform and shape our today and our tomorrow. We could throw a big party and we could celebrate the coming of the Spirit and we could have a birthday cake to celebrate the birth of the church. We might do that sometimes. I really like birthday cake. But then you all would get up here and you would leave after service and you would say, now, well, if you'll excuse me, thank you for the cake, but my marriage is on my last leg and I need to tend to it. Thanks for the cake, but my teenagers are struggling They're rebelling against me and rejecting God, and I'm broken. Thanks for the party, but I'm I'm sick in my body, and I can't get better, and I feel pretty discouraged. I am wrestling with some really deep doubts about God, and this party for the past is great and all, but what am I supposed to do with these questions? And I feel sick unto death about yet another school shooting, and I need to sit with that for a minute. I need to grieve it, and I need to mourn that. Or I'm really wrestling with God's will for my life. Like, do I take this job? Do I stay in this location? Do I move? Do do I go deeper into this relationship? Or do I take a step back? You see, a party celebrating the past is great. But what we desperately need to know is, does the coming of the Spirit have anything to say to this today, tomorrow, 
Is there gospel? Is there a good word for me right here today? Does the gift of the Spirit have anything to say to my joy and my hurt, my confusion and my doubt, my decisions and my family? And I ask all these questions not because I want to shift the focus of Pentecost to what God did to this like me-oriented consumeristic religion. I ask you this question today because I want to draw you in to this story. I want to invite you to this text today. Because this is not simply a story of something that happened a really long time ago. This is the story that began with the rush of a mighty wind, but it continues in and among us today. It's a story that calls us to deeper devotion to God. This God who comes to us, not only in the flesh of Christ, but now in the wind of the Spirit. And so let's read together today. We're not going to read the Acts text again. We've read that already. But turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 15, starting in verse 26. This Gospel writer has a very good word for us today about the gift of the Spirit and the role that this new expression of God with us will play in the world. So let's read. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. But I have said these things to you so that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told you about them. Skipping to verse 4. He says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they don't believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you You cannot bear them now. So when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You see, all that the father has is mine. And for this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, John jumps into this whole thing referring to this coming Holy Spirit as the advocate. And your version, as always, might say something different, the helper, the comforter, the counselor. It's a very tricky word. It's the parakletos, right? This Greek word. And we're going to get to that in a second. But I want to ask you a question first. What is in a name? Better yet, what is in a title? If I were to ask you, what does an elementary school teacher do? You would say, well, preacher, they teach. That is their job. They teach letters and numbers and science and all of those things. But you know what else teachers are? Teachers are life skill coaches, teaching children how to properly sneeze into their elbow and not pick their notes, okay? Teachers are also the Dr. Phil of the small human world as they teach them how to navigate friendships, right? Teachers are also masterful observers paying careful attention to their students and they notice when they're sad or when they're hungry or when they're maybe getting sick and they take action. 
Teachers are careful negotiators, figuring out how to draw discipline and hard work from a student while rewarding them in wise ways to keep them motivated, right? Teachers are also mighty good budgeters, learning how to stretch their resources just so to make provisions that they've been given work for everybody. You know, teachers are pretty hardcore, are they not? I know, right? And so the title of teacher encompasses way more than teaching. They are also in the business of educating and shaping lives for the long haul and hopefully saving us from becoming a nation of nose pickers, right? That's on you guys up there, all right? Now, the Holy Spirit has been given many, many titles. And the Parakletos, the one I mentioned, is one of those biggies. And it's translated in so many ways because we're trying to wrap our heads around all that the Spirit does. It doesn't just teach math, right? All that the Spirit does. And this weird word that John uses, the Parakletos, literally means someone who is called to come alongside. But that's not really catchy. And so we try to use other words to encompass it, like advocate or comforter or helper, but none of them quite capture it. Now, that image in uh, the text that I said, uh, the, the image of someone who comes alongside, that's a powerful image, isn't it? I'm reminded of a lady in our church when I was growing up. She had a really a real heart for children that were in difficult situations. And she was forever and always in and out of the courtroom alongside these kids. Kids that had no relation to her. And I learned later that she was something called a um, a court-appointed special advocate, a CASA advocate, yeah, right? And her job was to stand alongside these children, to hear their stories and gather information, and to help that child speak. And sometimes to speak on their behalf when they couldn't speak for themselves. She was called to come alongside and speak and seek their best interest, right? Now in Romans 8... Paul says of the Spirit, the one who has come to call, along, call to come alongside us said, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we don't know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with us with sighs that are too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Every single day, not just on the high holy days like Pentecost, The Spirit, the one who is called to come alongside, stands ready, ready to intercede for us, ready to counsel us, ready to be that faithful, constant God with us presence. Now, the Spirit fills this role in many, many different ways, but this particular text offers us three specific ways that the Spirit uh, fulfills this role of parakletos, called alongside. Now, first, the Spirit will remind us in verse 15, 26, of all that Jesus taught and will testify or bear witness on Christ's behalf. And in chapter 14, he had already addressed this saying, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you everything and he will remind you of all I've said to you. So the Spirit reminds us. But why? Because we're a forgetful bunch, guys. We are easily distracted by shiny things, kind of like raccoons. We so quickly forget our identity and our purpose. We are, we are God's children. We are co-heirs with Christ and we are co-laborers for the gospel. And yet, how easily we forget. How easily we are sucked into the narratives of culture that are vying for our hearts and calling us by a different name. 
They don't call us child of God. They say you are a worker. You are a producer. You are a consumer. You are the captain of your own ship. And so the Spirit comes alongside us, gently reminding us, no, first, you are a child of God. You are a part of this family. This is your first loyalty, your first call. You are to be about the business of the kingdom, no matter what that looks like in your life. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord for God's glory. And so the Spirit reminds us who we are and what we are to be about. But the Spirit also reorients us. And not just us followers of Jesus, but the world as well. You see, the gift of the Spirit is not just the sole prize of the rescued. The Spirit is God's instrument of drawing the world back to God's self, right? In verse 8, the writer said, And when the Spirit comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. The Spirit will prove the world wrong. The Spirit will convict will show people the truth about reality. It's that same language that you would use when you need to come alongside a friend and speak some hard truth to them when you see them getting mired in sin. You know what I'm talking about? That gently loving reprove, like, I'm seeing some stuff in your life and we need to talk about that. That's the word, the Holy Spirit. That's what he's doing here. He's longing for our wholeness and holiness. And so he's calling our attention to the ways in which we are out of sync with the kingdom, how we are disoriented. Now, how many of you have ever been sitting in the car, like waiting for your spouse to buy groceries or something, and you're sitting in the car and you're reading your Kindle or you're dinging around on your phone, looking down, and all of a sudden the car next to you starts moving backward and you panic because you are sure you are moving and you slam on your air brakes? Am I the only person? No? Okay, this happens all the time because you were just sure the car was rolling away. Because your point of reference was off kilter. Now, if your eyes had been fixed on something outside of the car, like a tree or a building, you wouldn't have had your vision skewed and your heart would not be racing a million miles a minute now, right? And so too with our perspective. We are called, like we said last week, to be in the world, but not of the world. But when our eyes are fixed in the car, on this rebellious world, and on the systems that are at work that are contrary to the kingdom, We lose our perspective. And what is right appears to be wrong. And what is wrong appears to be right. And we find ourselves disoriented because our eyes aren't fixed on Jesus. What's right? What's wrong? Is the car moving? Anybody's guess. And so the Spirit, the one that's called to come alongside us, does that very thing. It comes alongside calling the rebellious to account by correcting and convicting and warning. But hear this, but not in that turn or burn fear-based mode, threatening you with horrifying tales of eternal flames to scare your hiney into repentance. Can I say hiney from the pulpit? Because I just did, okay? (laughs) The spirit is not a manipulative bully dangling punishment in front of your face to conjole you and to change behavior. No, the Spirit comes alongside you and calls you to account and warns you of the consequences of your choices. When you act in ways that are contrary to God's desire and design, there are consequences. And so the Spirit convicts and warns out of a deep 
love for us and a desire for our good, not out of anger or disgust for just how lame and rebellious you are. Now, that is not to say that the convicting warnings of the Spirit are pleasant or easy to receive. No. No one likes being told they're wrong or that they are headed in the wrong direction. No one could possibly hate this more than me, okay? It is a blow to my pride and to my self-oriented sinful nature that strains against correction. But it is for our good, beloved. It is a grace. It is a merciful grace that the Spirit would come alongside us and point out the ways in which we are wandering from God's call. So thanks be to God that we're not left to fend for ourselves, but we have a guide who is willing to correct and warn and convict. The Spirit reorients us rightly to Jesus and the kingdom. Now, finally, in this passage, the Spirit uh, reminds and reorients, but the Spirit also reveals to us what we need to know as we need to know it. Like it said in verse 12, I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. Now, some of you are familiar with the story of Corrie Ten Boom. She was, uh, worked, lived in the Netherlands during World War II, and her and her family felt called to intervene on behalf of the Jews. And they hid and rescued hundreds and hundreds of Jews. But she herself and her sister and her dad were sent to a concentration camp, and Corrie alone survived. Well, as she was writing her like memoirs later on in her life, she was reflecting on her first encounter with death when she was a little girl. She was six years old, and her neighbor's child got sick and died. And all of a sudden, Corey was confronted by the reality of mortality, like, oh, my word, people die, including my own family. And so when her dad came home from work that day, she fell into his arms weeping, saying, Daddy, 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 please don't die. And her father sat down beside her and said gently, Corey, when you and I go to Amsterdam, when do I give you the train ticket? And Corey thought for a moment. She said, why, just before we get on the train says, exactly. And our wise Father in heaven knows when we're going to need things. So don't run ahead of him, Corey. You see, for Corey, the train ticket would need, she would need would be the courage to face fear and persecution and suffering and the death of her family, but not that day. Her father assured her that the Lord would give her all she needed to face and bear the task when the time was right, but not a minute too soon and not a minute too late. God is so kind, isn't he? Not to dump on us far more than we can bear, but instead to send the Spirit to give us exactly what we need when we need it. Wisdom for the moment, guidance for the road ahead, stamina for a dark season. Strength for grief, endurance for trials and disappointments, courage to continue the task of faithfulness and service to God. We cannot bear it all now, but the Spirit is at the ready to provide us exactly what we need when we need it. Verse 13 says, This kindness spirit will guide us in all truth and will give us a timely word and the direction we need. I probably don't need to tell you this, but there is no verse in the Bible that tells you which job to take, which like house to buy, which major to choose, which, uh, which punishment to dish out to your teenager, right? Uh, which company to support, who to vote for, um, any number of contemporary issues. It's quite annoying, actually, that the Bible is so inconveniently vague like that. 
that doesn't have a list of names or like bullet points, right? But we need not fear. Do you know why? Because we have been given the gift of the Spirit. We don't need to take Scripture and manipulate it and twist it like an old dish rag, trying to figure out God's will for us, because God has given us the gift of the Spirit that will guide us in all truth today, in this moment. But here's the question. How do I know that the word that I think I'm hearing from the Spirit is truly of the Spirit and not just my own desires or my own imaginings? Hear this. Every direction from the Spirit will bring glory and will point to Jesus. It is the litmus test. Does this direction that I'm sensing from the Spirit, does it line up with what I know to be true about God's character? Will obeying this path, will it glorify God to to those around me? Will following what I'm kind of sensing in my heart, will it point people to Jesus or will it turn them away? Will this choice bring me closer or further away from Jesus? Those are important questions of discernment. But just because it's hard doesn't mean we don't or doesn't mean that we resist or reject it because we can trust the Holy Spirit does reveal. They will make the path clear. The question is not, is the Spirit speaking? The question is, are we listening? Are our hearts tender and soft to the voice of the Spirit or are they been hardened? Are our ears open and ready to listen? Are our hearts ready and willing to obey? Or, I would add, are we surrounding ourselves with people who are helping us to be good listeners? So the Spirit reminds us of all that Jesus taught us. The Spirit reorients us when we are out of sync with the kingdom. And the Spirit reveals to us what it looks like to follow Jesus right here today in these circumstances. The question is never, is the Spirit at work? The question is, are my ears open? And is my heart soft and ready to respond in obedience? Well, Pastor Tommy and I were talking this week about various challenges we're facing in the church, but then also personally, because I don't know if you know this, like, we don't have it all figured out, so we're still working on that. So sorry to burst your bubble there, but I was really struggling. Like I was feeling anxious and like, ugh. And he said to me, he said, Stephanie, do you remember, do you know what grows in our lives? It's the things we nurture, the things we pay attention to. And you know what? I want to nurture listening ears. I want to nurture a soft, tender heart that's sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit. I want to feed the flower of God's holiness that is planted in my life, and I want to starve the weeds of pride and anger and self-righteousness. I want to live into the promise of the Pentecost, of God's gift of the Spirit come down, God with us, the one called to stand alongside. Now this sweet, kind Spirit is our comforter. This spirit is our guide in all truth. This spirit is our convictor, even when we don't want it. This spirit is our advocate. This spirit is our defender. The spirit is the revealer of the way forward. The the spirit is the reminder of all that Jesus has said and done. The spirit is the reminder of who we are and what we are to be about. This spirit is the very breath of God come down to keep us connected to the source. Thanks.
be to God for this precious gift of the Spirit. And may we ourselves be open to receive what the Spirit wants to do in us and through us and among us today and always. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, we want to hear your voice. We want to respond in obedience in every area of our lives, trusting you will do your work of reminding and reorienting and revealing the way to us. Spirit, would you move and would you empower us to obey? Amen. Father God, that is our prayer, that you would send your spirit, the spirit of you, the living God, as you fell on Pentecost, transforming hearts, reminding and reorienting and revealing. Lord, we know that you have promised us the same. You, your spirit is on the move. Only if we have ears to hear and we have hearts that are soft and willing to respond to your call. So Lord, would you break down the barriers in us that we might be awakened to your spirit on the move among us. Lord, we thank you for your precious gift and we promise not to squander it. We ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus, and by the power of that spirit. Amen and amen. Beloved, would you extend your hands to receive the benediction, the good word today? Beloved, would you go from this place trusting in the promise of the spirit, that the spirit is ready to reveal and reorient and remind you of all that you need to walk in faithfulness to Jesus. So go in action and go in peace. You are dismissed. Amen and amen.